Well, hey guys, how y'all doing? Fantastic, fantastic. I tell you what, that is so, that's so cool being able to watch those baptism stories because it's neat seeing Nick and Renee uh, willing to cross that line of faith and seeing what God is doing through them. And it's, let me tell you, uh, really cool, that last one you saw, Renee Rogers, she was baptized by somebody who invited her to church. And I, I, I'm just telling you, that is just so neat that we all have a part to play in God's story. Uh, before we dig in, let me just tell you, my name is Chris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here and uh, would love to be able to welcome two groups of people. If this is your first time with us, we want to welcome you. So let's give it up for our first time guests. You guys are awesome. And then secondly, we want to honor our VIPs. Our volunteers are very important here at One Church. So let's give it up for all those people who volunteer. All right, very good. Well, we are continuing our series today on The Walking Dead. And by, by the way, how many of y'all are going to watch it tonight? Come on now. Get excited. Let me hear you. All two of y'all. All right, very good. All right. Well, let me tell you, the, the whole idea of zombies, zombies is kind of the hip monsters of the day. If you really think about me, zombie, zombies are kind of the hipster of the monsters. I mean, it used to be vampires, and there was a whole Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt and all the... Sp- and then that was, by the way, before vampires were sparkly. Anybody remember that one? So just g- giving you a heads up on that one. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, the, I used to like the Creature of the Black Lagoon and Frankenstein, all Bella Lugosi. But now zombies are kind of the hit these days, all right? Um, let me tell you, I, I did some research into some zombies. And the whole idea of zombies, they were invented about 40 years ago with the movie Dawn of the Dead. Anybody seen that one? All right, good. Now here's the thing about rules, eight rules about being a zombie. All right, the first one is this. Zombies, they all suffer from decay and rot, all right? They're all rotting, all right? Second one, they are mobile, but they don't have a heartbeat or other vital signs. There's another rule for being a zombie. Uh, They're unable to communicate except through, uh, and right? Groans and howls, right? They are unemotional, and they show show no mercy. Uh, They are hungry for human flesh, all right? They are unaffected by injuries, even fatal ones. They are contagious, that you can become a zombie by being bitten by a zombie. And lastly, they don't enjoy anything. Now, you see these things, these eight things pop up, and you can see by some of you, by these definitions, some of you are a zombie. All right? Some of you are married to a zombie, and you're like going, Chris, I know, right? Are you reading my emails? No, I'm not. All right? You know, there's this whole idea as we continue our series on The Walking Dead. And by the way, huge shout out to Dave Thompson, my good friend and one of the student pastors. He did a great job last week, did he not? Love Dave Thompson. Love him. So we're going to be looking at zombieology and the study of zombies, and we're going to be looking at zombies throughout the Bible. Now again, now when most of you, when you think of zombies, you think of something that's gruesome or gross, some monster that's moving slowly through life, that's aimlessly wandering around with no clue about where to go. And that's a movie zombie, but I want to talk to you today about real life zombies because there are some people who move very slowly through life who are very unaware of what's happening, especially if someone who's put their life on autopilot. Somebody who's just kind of going through the motions, somebody who's just kind of living life, existing and not really living. 
Um, that's, that's a real zombie. And, you know, we use the word zombie a lot. I mean, here's one. Uh, we go, man, if I don't get some sleep tomorrow, I'm going to be a what? Zombie. That's right. Or we go, you know, I walked into my classroom and I began to teach them. And it's like I was teaching a bunch of zombies. That's right. Or um, when you heard the news, he was like a... Thank you. All right. Last one. On the Arbor game yesterday, when the quarterback threw to the wide receiver, the wide receiver was like a... Right? Anyway, War Eagle. So... Um, so a lot of us are in this place, and we're probably seated next to a zombie, and we don't even know it. Then again, maybe some of us, we do know it. Uh, and here's the thing about being a zombie. Those who are zombies, aren't often, they don't know that they're zombies until they're reminded that they're zombies. So let me say it a different way. In other words, those people who are asleep don't realize that they've been asleep until they've woken up. And once you wake up, you go, wow. Did I go to sleep? I mean, th- th- there's people like that. Like last yesterday, we ended up taking a nap during the day, and I ended up was in the bed with my wife. And I, when my head hits the pillow, 20 seconds later, I'm asleep. Right now, here's the thing: I don't think I snore. All right, and the reason why I don't think I snore is because I've never heard me snore. You know what I'm saying? I just don't. But my wife, she'll punch me in the gut, and she'll go, "You're you're you're snoring like a chainsaw." Right, and I don't know that I'm snoring until she wakes me up. All right, and and that's just how it is. I'm here to remind all of us that many times we can become zombies. And today, as we look in the Bible, what the what the Bible says about people who move very slowly, who aren't really aware of the circumstances, and they've put their life on autopilot, they are sleepwalking through life. We're going to be looking at two passages of scripture today. The first one. We're going to be looking at a guy, a story in the book of Acts, by a guy with a really cool name who was the first zombie in church. And then secondly, we're going to be going to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be seeing the, the, the cure, if you will, of waking up and not becoming a zombie. All right, let's look at this. Acts chapter 20, verse 7, says this. On the first day of the week, now let me just stop there because that's interesting, they met on the first day of the week. Um, and the reason why they met on the first day of the week is because Jesus, he, he resurrected, he came back to life on the first day of the week. Sunday's the first day of the week. God is a, is a good God, and God we know is the God of first. The first day of the week, we, we give him the first day of the week, and he blesses the rest. We give him the first per- portion of our income, and he blesses the rest. We give him the first part of our day, and he blesses the rest. So let's keep on going. On the first day of the week... We gathered with local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them. And since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until what? See, some of y'all think I preach long. I don't preach long. I ain't, y'all ain't never been here till midnight. All right? Keep on going. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man by the name of Eutychus. Now, I love that name. Can you say that with me? Eutychus. One more time. Eutychus. All right. A young man by the name of Eutychus was sitting on the windowsill, and he became very drowsy. So here's a guy who is, is kind of like a zombie. Kind of like a zombie. Paul is preaching. People are hanging on to every word. And Eutychus, this young guy, finds a seat 
in the windowsill, which is not a good place if you're sleepy, right? And while Paul is droning on and he's going till midnight, the guy starts, he starts snoring, right? He starts going to sleep. And let's keep on reading. Verse 9 says this. Finally, Eutychus fell asound asleep and he dropped three stories to his death below. I love the name Eutychus because Eutychus too, if you'd have fallen three stories to your death. Thank you very much. All right, I'm going to be here all day. All right, but not until midnight. Dude falls out the windowsill and thunk. And he goes and he's done. Look what happens. Next verse, verse 10. Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. And listen to what Paul says. He says, don't worry, he's alive. Then they went back upstairs. They shared in the Lord's Supper, and together Paul continued talking to them until dawn. Dear Jesus, right? So the dude is preaching all night long, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home unhurt, and everyone was greatly what? I don't know if they were relieved because the dude was unhurt or because Paul stopped preaching. I don't know, all right? So Paul ran down these three flights of stairs, grasped him, held him, prayed over him, and Eutychus jumped right up. Eutychus was the first zombie. Eutychus was the first record we have of a zombie in church. The first record we have of somebody sleeping in church. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, he may be the first, but he ain't the last, right? And on that note, watch this flick.
gotta love Mr. Bean, right? I'm telling you what. This concept of sleep and concept of being a zombie and sleepwalking through life is a very common theme throughout the Bible. In fact, the guy who was preaching all that night, his name was Paul, he wrote a letter to a group of uh, churches and a church specifically located in this town of Ephesus. And the letter we have is the book of Ephesians. And I think as we dive in today in Ephesians 5.14 that some of you, that God is wanting to give you a wake-up call today. Because so many times people are zombies and they're sleepwalking through life and they don't even know it. They're asleep and they don't even know it. And that's the thing. When you're asleep, you don't know that you're asleep until after you're awake. And you go, wow, I've been asleep. So today, I believe God is wanting to give us a wake-up call. And, and, And the alarm might say 514 on it. Just red flashing, 514. Because in Ephesians 514, Paul gives us the prescription of how to become awake. And look at what he says. In fact, the very first word in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 is what? Awake, O sleeper, and then he continues, rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I would say that many of us here and many of us are listening right now, we're zombies, and I'm not talking about you know, we're sleeping in church like Mr. Bean or Eutychus, but we're sleeping through our spiritual life. You're doing life on autopilot. You're sleepwalking through the years. You're sleepwalking to really knowing God. In fact, look what it says in verse 14. It says, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You know what? It's a funny thing about sleep. You don't really know that you're asleep until you wake up. And then once you wake up, you go, oh, I fell asleep. And that's what happens so often when I talk to people about Jesus. You know, they'll go, hey, you know, okay, I realized that I was asleep, but once I met Jesus, I, I feel a wide awake. I have a, not just life, but abundant life. In fact, listen to how God's word and Paul describes in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, how he describes us before we met Jesus. He says this, at one time, you were like a what? Dead person. You were a zombie. You were like a dead person because of the things you did wrong and your offenses against God. You see, the Bible describes us before we met Jesus as being spiritually dead. Yeah, we're physically, we're moving, but we have no vital signs of being awake towards God. We're wandering aimlessly through life. You were a zombie. We are a zombie when it comes to knowing God because of our own sins, of our own junk, of our own addictions. Um, that's what it is. So the Bible tells us that when we're born, we're going to have to die. Yet, when we have an opportunity to be born again, so if we have two births, we only die once. But if we have one birth, we die twice. The Bible says that we face an eternity, and we choose our eternal home either in both either heaven or hell. And I think a lot of people know a lot about God, but they don't have a relationship with God. And God took the initiative by sending his son Jesus to live a sinless life and dying a sacrificial death on the cross. And all we have to do, all he he asks us to do is to receive what he's done for us. That's what Ephesians 2.4 says. It says, we were spiritually dead. Everybody say spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. We were zombies because of all that we had done against him. But look at this. 
But he gave us what? New life. How? Together with Christ. That we have been saved by God's grace. Through Jesus, through my relationship, and through knowing Jesus, I know that God has a plan for my life. I understand that God has purpose for my life. I don't have to wander aimlessly and aimlessly through life. I can actually have life and have it more abundantly. And some of you, you need to become alive today. Because you walked in, and spiritually, there were no vital signs. Yeah, you were moving. Physically, you're alive. But spiritually, you're dead because you don't have a relationship with and through Jesus Christ. And it's not a religion. It's not anything that you can do. It's something that he has done. We get that. And I'm so excited today, if this is your first time here or you've never been to church, that's what we pray for. We pray that spiritually you can become alive today and that happens through faith in Jesus Christ. But many of us in here, we're Christ followers, we have a relationship with God, and we still act like zombies. We're sleepwalking through life. Yeah, you go to church and you come to onechurch.tv and onechurch.tv is your home. But yet, you're, you're spiritually, you're a zombie. You're on autopilot. You could, you're asleep when it comes to using your gifts or your abilities. You're asleep when it comes to actually engaging God in your marriage or engaging God in your finances, engaging God with your kids. And the thing is, I don't want you to miss the, this because you can be look like you're alive but be sleepwalking through life. And I tell you, our enemy wants to put believers to sleep. He tries to get us to sleep so we won't wake up and actually do something. Back to Ephesians 5.14. He says, so be careful how you live. That Greek word for careful is a very visual term. It means this. Open up your eyes. Look around. It means if you're walking around and there's some things that you don't want to step on. How many of y'all were at the seven-year anniversary of one church at the kidney farm. I don't know if you noticed in that pasture, and that's exactly what it was. There are some things that you don't want to step on, right? In fact, I saw some kids with no shoes on, and I was like, dear Lord, right? you better wash those feet, right? Because there's some things you don't want to step in, and that's what it means. Be careful. Open up your eyes. Paul is saying that there are Christ followers who sleepwalk through life, who live their life like zombies. And when you see zombies on television and movies, they're always going, but they're going nowhere. And I meet so many people in life, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're going, and they're going really fast, but they're going nowhere in life. I mean, a lot of times when I'm working at a restaurant or I'm at a coffee house, and I listen to people, and I overhear conversations, and yes, I do that. And don't look at me, don't judge me, you do it too. Right? You listen to other people and you, you listen to them talk and I so want to interrupt sometimes and I want to go, really? Do you think that's living? I mean, you're going nowhere. I mean, the whole idea of uh, recreate, procreate, do the deal and die, that's not living. I mean, that's not the meaning of life. That's not why you're here, to get as much money as you can, to bed down as many women as you can. To, to buy as many toys as you can and then you die? That's not life. Paul describes people like that as fools. Look at what he says. Don't live like what? But live like those who are 
So he does a contrast there. Now here's a quick question. What is a fool? Well, in the Bible, when you're a fool, it means that you live your life like God doesn't exist. Look at Psalm 14.1. It says this. It says, the fool says in his heart what? There is no God. So someone who lives like God doesn't exist is a fool. Now, some of us, we can think, well, you know, it's easy to apply that to other people. But I know a lot of Christians who are running around like fools, living life like God doesn't exist. They handle their finances like God doesn't exist. God says, I want you to give to me and acknowledge me with your finances, but they spend it all on themselves. God says, I want you to forgive and let me get revenge on that person. But they don't forgive, and they drink the poison of their own bitterness. God says, put other people first. But they're always very selfish, and they put themselves first because they don't believe God actually has their back. I can make a case obviously throughout the entire Bible of zombieology and the theology in the Bible because there's a lot of people who move very slowly and aimlessly throughout life who aren't aware of what's happening and they're sleepwalking. And God is telling you today, wake up. 514, wake up, O sleeper. Paul goes on to describe why they are fools. Verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like what? Fools, but like those who are wise, and here it is, make the most of every opportunity. Why are they fools? Because they're not careful of how how they live. They waste opportunities. This verse says a lot. It says, make the most of every opportunity. The word opportunity is a time word. This is a word that points to time. It doesn't mean that times are always bad, if you will. It just means that time is running out. Time is short. The Latin phrase is carpe dentum, right? Seize the plaque. No, it's carpe diem. You're going to be going, what? So it's carpe diem. It's seize the day. Seize the day. That we have a limited amount of time. Your greatest asset, do you know what it is? It's not money. It isn't stocks or isn't bonds. Your greatest asset in life is time. Don't procrastinate. Everybody say that word procrastinate. Ready? One, two, three. All right. One more time. One, two, three. Some of you are procrastinating saying procrastination. All right. Let me tell you, what is procrastination? Well, procrastination is putting off tomorrow what you could do today. Putting off tomorrow what you could do today. When we procrastinate, we're not making the most of every opportunity, what Ephesians says. We are putting off opportunity. And here's our big idea today. Procrastination is assassination of the amazing future God has planned for you. Procrastination is assassination of the amazing future God has planned for you. Let me tell you, when we procrastinate, we say no, no, wait, no, to something that we will regret later. When we procrastinate, we sleepwalk through life to the things that are most important. We don't prioritize what's important. And when we procrastinate, the reason why we do it is our priorities are all out of whack. Procrastination is assassination of the amazing future God has planned for you. When you know what God wants you to do and you don't do it, delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Paul is saying, I want you to live your life. 
I want you to be careful. I want you to open up your eyes. Don't sleepwalk. Look around. I want you to be wise. I want you to make good use of your time. And look at this next interesting phrase. Make the most of every opportunity because our days are evil in these evil days. Now, what does he mean by that? He means that you and I live in a time that if we were to just lift up our feet and just go with the current of our culture, we're going to end up in a place that we don't want to be. You see, our days are such a way that if we just lift up our feet and we just go with the current of culture, it's going to take us places that we don't want to go. Let me tell you, if you just lift up your feet and you just go with the current of culture financially, then our culture is going to take you places you don't want to go financially. If we just go with the flow and we lift up our feet and just go with the current of our culture relationally, then we're going to go someplace that we don't want to go relationally. And we're going to wonder, how did I get here? How did I get in this mess? This isn't where I wanted to be relationally. I didn't want to be 35 and single. I didn't want to be 30 years old and having to declare bankruptcy. When you think about your relationship with your kids, the relationship with your husband, the relationship with your wife, when you think about the relationship with your parents, Paul says, look, the days that we live in, there's currents that are taking us directions that none of us want to go. And Paul is saying, don't be careless. Don't just put it on autopilot. Don't be like a zombie. You can't simply go with the flow because the flow is going to take you somewhere that you don't want to go. Then he he has said something to us Christ followers. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you can take the rest of this up. You can put it on autopilot. But for us as Christ followers, he directly speaks and whispers in our ear. And this is what he says, our last verse, verse 17. Don't act what? In fact, some of your translations actually says, don't act foolishly. Same word. Don't act thoughtlessly, don't act foolishly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You see, so many of us, the reason why we're wandering aimlessly through life is because God has called us to something, and we don't know what it is. Now, let me just, I'm going to camp out right here, I'm going to take a break from my notes because and that's always a scary thing Um, but I want to just speak to us who are Christ followers today so many of times we want the very specifics of what God wants us to do in our life we want God to say okay I want you to marry him I want you to go to this school I want you to get very specific God what do you want me to do and we get very frustrated because we don't open it up to second hesitations. And it says, I want you to go to Austin P. and marry him. It doesn't say that. But let me tell you what the Bible does do and what it does say. It gives us very specific things of who he wants us to become. Very spe- he, he wants us to be loving towards our neighbors. He wants us to love our wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for us. He wants us to give a portion of our finances towards him. He wants us to serve other people and not be selfish. He wants us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He wants us to care for the the widow and the orphan. He gets very specific in stuff like that, and we don't follow it. 
We, we don't give back to God. We don't treat our spouse like Jesus wants us to treat our spouse. We, we, we act carelessly for the things that he wants us to do and he shows us to do and we get frustrated because he doesn't show us the specifics. But let me just give you an example here. Let me tell you. God is never going to direct you beyond your obedience. Because again, remember this? Delayed obedience is what? disobedience and see we want God to show us what's five years down the road when we won't go five feet down the road it's like this my, my one of my sons comes up and says dad can I have a quarter I'm like sure I give him a quarter because it's just a quarter right a quarter right you can't even call somebody for a quarter anymore right you can't buy nothing with a quarter right so anyway and 30 minutes later he comes back and he says dad can I borrow 20 What'd you do with the quarter? Well, you know what? I, I lost it. If they lost the quarter, do you think I'm going to give him 20 bucks? No. Why? Because he wasn't faithful with the quarter. He wasn't faithful with the small things. There's a, the great verse in Luke chapter 11. We don't get to get, have a time to go there. But what Jesus says is this. If you're not faithful in the small things, God is not going to trust you with the... There it is. And you see, we want the big things. God, should I marry him? Should I go here? But God's saying, I want you to wake up every morning and I want you to spend just a little bit of time with me. I ain't going to do that. Okay? If you're not willing to do that, then I'm not going to show you. I'm not going to show you the details. And that's what it says in verse 17. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. What is God telling you to do that you keep on putting off? What are things that God is telling you, I want you to make this a priority, but you're procrastinating the priority. This is delayed obedience. It's disobedience. What is God calling you to do? So my challenge for you today as I close is I want you to wake up and stop procrastinating. Think of procrastination as a four-letter word. Stop doing it. Because procrastination is the assassination of the amazing future God has in store for you. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to put some very specific things up on the screen. But I want to ask you this question. And here's my challenge. I want you to write down this week five things, five things that, God, that you know that are important, but you're procrastinating about. Five things. If you don't have five, great. I know somebody has at least one. Right? So I want you to write down five things that you know are important but that you've been procrastinating about. And right next to those five things, I want you to put these questions right here. The who, what, when, where, how. Let's look at the first one. Why? Why are these important? Why are these important? Now, if you can't ask that question, then they're not a priority. And maybe you shouldn't do them. But why are these important? Why are these important? Number two, what will happen if I continue to procrastinate? What will happen if I continue to procrastinate? Third, when is my timetable to completing them? That's a big one. Let me tell you, if you have this priority and you're saying, okay, God, I'm going to do it someday. Let me tell you, you will never do it. You know why? Because someday is not a real timetable. There is no day on the calendar called someday, is it? There's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. There is no someday. So put a day to it. Look at this. How will I complete them? How will I complete them? 
And then lastly, who will hold me accountable? Who will hold me accountable? All right, let's kind of walk through that, just through something specific as we close. All right, the first one. Why are these important? Let's take one. Um, let's take uh, spending time with your spouse. You've been neglecting it and neglecting it, and she's feeling empty and you're feeling empty. And you know it's a priority, but you've been putting it off. You've been procrastinating it. Well, again, ask the question, why is this important? Why is it important that you need to build into your spouse? All right? You need to answer that. Well, because I love them. They love me. We have a commitment to one another. Okay? God tells us to. Number two, what will happen if I continue to procrastinate? What will happen if I continue to neglect that relationship? Well, erosion will happen, won't it? Erosion will happen slowly over time, and the relationship might fall apart. Let's go to the next one. When is my timetable for completing this? All right? Well, that's when you say, okay, I can't, I know I'm busy and I got everything that's crazy, but I've got to prioritize this. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to, when I get home, I'm going to keep the TV off. We are going to sit down at the table with the TV off, and we are going to talk with our spouse. And the first time you do it, it might be a little awkward. But you know what? Over time, when you make those small investments, you will see a change. Next one. How will I complete them? All right? I just answered one of the house. Maybe you turn off the TV, you eat together. Maybe it's you intentionally date. You know, every Friday night, we're getting a sitter, and we are going out. All right? And then lastly, who will hold me accountable? Who will hold me accountable? You ask a good friend of yours, hey, will you help me? I need to do a better job with my spouse spending time with them. Let me give you another example. This is one of those things, and I've shared this with you, with you guys, with my wife and I, that we've struggled with for the longest time, and that was giving to God. You know, there's this whole idea that we all, God says, we, we want, I want you to give 10% to me. And, you know, it's amazing when you don't have $1, 10% is only a what? And you think, you can't buy nothing with a dime, right? I mean, that's easy, right? Would you get $1,000? That's a little bit different, isn't it? Because $100, that can buy you something, right? So we have this idea when it, when it gets bigger, the percentage doesn't get bigger, but it's like our perspective changes. And I remember, again, before one church started, Kim and I struggled through this whole idea of, you know, and, and we made all kinds of excuses, great excuses. If we made more, you know, if we didn't have as many bills, you know, whatever. But ultimately, it came down, somebody just uh, approached me and confronted me and said, Chris, you got to be consistent on this. And I'm like, I'm, and, and here's the thing. We knew that. We felt so guilty, right? We did. We felt so guilty. So when we, when we first started One Church, we were like, we've got to get this worked out. We've got to fix this. And, okay, and, and we asked these questions. Why is this important? Why? Because, number one, when, when I don't give to God and I don't tithe to him, it's telling him I don't have faith in him. You see, I can say I have faith in a lot of things with God, but when I don't literally put my money where my faith is, it says, Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount, that uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Exactly right. So why is it important? God tells me to do it. What will happen if I continue to procrastinate? Well, in this aspect, you know, I've done it for so long, nothing. But it's one of those things, I know I was disobeying God. And when we disobey God, 
we're saying, God, you know, I don't trust you. And that's a big deal for me. I think that's a big deal for you. We want to honor God with everything in our life. So what will happen if I continue to procrastinate? I'm going to feel guilty. I'm not going to have my faith, not really putting my faith in God. Let's move to the next one. When is my timetable for completing them? We would always say next month, right? Next month, I'm going to start giving. Again, how many of y'all ever said that? Am I the only one in here? Evidently, I am. All of y'all are great, all right? So we say next month, when we pay off this bill, it'll be okay, and we'll start doing it. And we realize that next month, that isn't a plan. So one of the things that has revolutionized us, and this goes to the how. How will I complete them? How we did it is we decided, you know what, if we wait for the offering bucket to come around, um, it's probably never going to happen. So what we do is we get paid on the 1st and 15th. So on the 3rd and 17th, we just have it automatically come out of our, our checking account. We don't even see it. So, and what's crazy about that, that's just a huge burden off of our shoulders. Because we know, you know what, God, we're honoring God with that, but I just, that's the how, that's how we were able to do it. And that was really the only way we've been able to figure this out in our life, our life. And then lastly, who will hold you accountable? Who will hold you accountable? Because if you're, if somebody doesn't hold you accountable, you're going to continue to procrastinate. And we will procrastinate, we assassinate the future that God has for us. So if you're here, if you're sleepwalking through life, if you kind of put it on autopilot, my challenge, wake up. Let's pray. Dear God, we're so grateful for you. I'm thankful for everything that you've done, everything you continue to do uh, and through and in our lives, God. And Lord, I know all of us, there are all of us in here that in some area of our life, we're coasting. We're putting it on autopilot. And where there's some things that we know that are priorities, but we continue to procrastinate. God, I pray that we would be able to see exactly what procrastination is. That delayed obedience is really disobedience. And I pray that all of us in here, that we would listen to you, God. We would obey you. And when that happens, Lord, you will show us more of what you want us to do, God's will, what is good and pleasing and perfect. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.